Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcasts. We are back for season three, episode 20. Yeah, wow, 20. Double X. That's a nice, round, big, even number. <laughs> We've come a long way, apparently. Yeah. Um. So today marks the 16th anniversary of 9-11. Wow, I can't believe it's been 16 years. Yeah, it times flies, but I remember exactly where I was on that day. I was like in junior high school and in history class and people were calling the the teacher and kids' parents started calling them and I'm just like, what's going on? I didn't really know what the Twin Towers was back then, but I know when my parents came and picked me up, we were just like outside on our porch just talking about what happened and I, I didn't really have a concept of it because I hadn't really been to the city like that when I was younger, but... I could tell it was like really a sad day and it sucked. I was scared. Yeah, I remember I was in junior high as well. Um, actually, the night before my family and I, we were coming back from Jamaica because my grandfather had passed away and we went there for his funeral. So I share the same birthday as my grandfather. My birthday is August 24th. Um, so with that being said, we were coming back up. And I remember that night in the airport, it was just weird. It was so much like weird activities going on and you know that was back in the day when they didn't TSA did not the security they were not even big on that at that time and there was something wrong with our luggage it was just like we couldn't get our luggage and finally we got it and then so the morning of we had moved into a house at the time so our stuff wasn't put together we had stuff in storage the TV wasn't even set up so I didn't even know what was going on and I was listening to the radio, and it was like people were frantic, and they were talking about it. And I was like, what? And I was like confused. And then my mom got emotional and started crying because we found out my aunt was down there. I think she was shopping yeah. or something. But she didn't get hit. Actually, She was in her car, but it was like all the debris and stuff got in her car. And she had dust and stuff all over her. So it was like one of those. It was a very scary time. Yeah. And so I wasn't in school like everyone else. And there were some people who were able to see from their classes. The buildings collapse, I heard. I didn't have that experience. Um, I was just home. But I, I couldn't visually see anything. That was like, scary. It was just hearing it. So it's like, you know, creating a story in my mind as to how it would be. Mm. And when I finally saw the video, I was like, oh, my God. Like, this happened. Like, you, when I visually seen it, it was like, wow, this is... It was crazy. Yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. Like, back then we didn't have technology. We couldn't just go on Google and just watch mm-hmm. a video of like online. And your mind can just like take you crazy places. Yeah. So just the way you described it, just hearing it, you didn't get to see anything. That must have sucked, especially just being young and not really knowing what's going on. Yeah. Um. So today, for me, I had volunteered with New York Cares organization. And for those of you who don't know New York Cares, it's a great organization. And they basically have a lot of um, volunteer opportunities throughout the city in different boroughs. And I've been working with them for some time now. And we were able to, I picked a project to volunteer today. And we worked at the Intrepid. And we kind of just, basically just did a lot of meal prepping for um, families in need and homeless people, which was great. So we putting packages together of lentil soup. And it was just amazing. And we were being competitive and trying to get the boxes filled as possible. And I met some great people along the way. And it was it was a wonderful experience to give back. And then I found out at the event that they were going to be giving to the foods to people that were affected by the hurricane. So it was like, which we're going to talk about later on in our show, actually. 
Um, so that was really nice to know that I played a part and contributed to that in some way. So that was, I had a good day. That was the highlight of my day, honestly. Damn, that was amazing. <laughs> I wish you had told me. I would have loved to go too. Next time they have it, I'm going to tell you so we could go together and represent our podcast. Yeah, I do feel like I, I should do spending more of my time to volunteer work. Like I'll make donations to organizations and different charities, but I think when you're like going out there and you're actually on the ground doing the work and moving, like you really get a lot of value from that. And it, you're definitely giving back to people too, so... I gotta gotta get my volunteer game strong. Yeah, no, it's good, and I like it. I think it's very rewarding because when you, I like to work with organizations and do events pertaining to homeless people because it's such an influx within the city. I feel, and I just I like to be able to do the groundwork and work hand in hand with homeless people. So anything surrounding food pantries or giving out food, that's really what I'm big on. And I've been doing that. And you know what? To me, it's so rewarding because I've always thought, you know, I want to give back when I have it all, when I'm making millions and I could buy this. But I'm like, I don't have to get to that point in my life to give back to my community. I can do it in small ways that are just as impactful as me giving money down the road. And um, so for me, it's I think it's very rewarding. And try to, for those who are listening, try to do it at least once a month. You know, sign up for a shift for like five hours, six hours. You may end up liking it and end up doing it like twice a month. Um, I think it's something that's really good because it puts things into perspective when you see people in those situations and they are relying on that food. That's their mail and stuff like that. Or they only mail for the day and kind of just seeing their circumstances. It makes you realize how privileged you may be and, and you weren't even aware. So, um, and it's just, it's very priceless. You know, you're giving your time. It's very, very priceless. And I truly enjoy it. So if you do end up volunteering, Definitely check out other organizations in the city. New York Cares is the one that I work with, and I love them. They're amazing. Mm, that's so awesome. <laughs> we should do, like, an unapologetically different volunteer work. You could come out with the t-shirts. Oh, that'd be dope. Yeah. That'd be so dope. And we could let the fans know, too, so we can meet the fans also. Yeah, and have people come out and definitely give in their own way. I think that'd be wonderful. Yeah, so we're going to put that into the works. <laughs> be on the lookout for that. All right, so now we're going to get into it. On Tuesday, September 5th, President Trump had Attorney General Jeff Sessions announce that the DACA program will be shut down but will allow Congress a six-month period to figure out a way to save the program. So for those of you who are not familiar with the DACA, it stands for <laughs> Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival, whose participants are known as DREAMers. In June 2012, President Obama implemented the program using his power of executive order. So for DREAMers to be eligible to apply, they had to be younger than 31 on June 15, 2012, and they had to come to the U.S. when they were younger than 16 and lived in the U.S. since 2007. So there's a lot of stipulations there as to who or what types of groups it applies to yeah. in pertaining to age. Um, so to qualify for the program, you will have to um, been in school, have a high school diploma or a military veteran program and a mostly clean criminal record. So practically don't have a criminal record of like non-existent for that matter, which is odd because a lot of talks around um, this program and the participants is that they're criminals. But the fact that you can't even be a criminal to be on it 
kind of contradicts yeah. um, the theory that's going around. The more you know. <laughs> <laughs> so the participants are referred as dreamers, and there are nearly 800,000 dreamers who have fear and anxiety of deportation looming over them because of the president announcement. Um, the program allowed for these dreamers to work legally without fear of um, deportation, obtain driver's licenses, credit cards, and bank statements. So it'll definitely allow them to have financial freedom, in a sense, and to be able to explore their options. And the fact that Trump has come into office and he just... I've, it's been talks that he's had difficulty to make this decision and on, there were levels that he was being threatened to some aspects to make it um, because there were other people that felt like this program should end, especially pertaining to maybe some politicians that may play a role in it. But the fact that you can end something like this and you don't have like a result, you don't have a solution, and you just like, here, Congress, you deal with it for the next six months. Let's see how fast you can work. Um, that, to me, was very, like, conniving and selfish because it's just like you're not thinking about all these people 800,000 yeah. that are affected lives are affected by this like you don't even understand the kind of damage that you're putting out there and to give them such like time limit and constraint is just like wow like who thinks like that yeah it's crazy it it was so bad that even President Obama came out and condemned the repeal as cruel and he was even quoted saying they were brought to this country by their parents, sometime even as infants. They may not have known a country besides ours. They may not even know languages besides English. They often have no idea they were undocumented until they apply for a job or college or driver's license. Whatever concerns or complaints Americans may have about immigration in general, we shouldn't threaten the future of this group of young people. All facts. Yeah. And it's crazy because, one... The fact, like, I don't even know how you have the heart to shut down a program where the participants are called dreamers. You're just, like, out here killing dreams. Like, that's terrible. Yeah, it just, it sucks. And when you think about it, you're really, if, if they, if Congress doesn't actually get this pushed through, this is 800,000 people who could literally just get sent out of this country. And you don't have to be an economist, but... I feel like that wouldn't be great for the job market, just getting rid of all these workers. No, I mean, that I can understand. I mean, some people argue that it probably will make a significant difference. Um, not sure how much. And the fact that people make the assumption that they're coming to take jobs, I'm just like, whose jobs? Like, is your job being taken from you? Like, can you give me an example? Because I need receipts. I need I need something to work with. <laughs> Can't just go for word of mouth. So, um... And it's crazy because it becomes that kind of rhetoric that's being used to take jobs or criminals or this or that. It's like they're they're very marginalized and treated as othered. And at what point have we made those distinctions about a group of people? You know what I'm saying? So like a, a lot, you know, I mean, tie back to Charlottesville with the whole white supremacist thing. I mean, how they were saying, you know, get out of our country and you know trying to reclaim their time or whatever the hell they was trying to reclaim with their little tiki torches um <laughs> but it's like how are you trying to claim something that don't even belong to you this ain't even your country if you like check the receipts bruh like bring it back you know what i'm saying like let's let's really sit down and have this dialogue so the fact that you kind of you know penetrating this rhetoric around these people who are participants within a program i think it's really unfortunate. And the way he went about it was just so sloppy. It was just kind of like, 
I, I don't want to deal with it. Congress yeah. should deal with it. But this is what I'm going to do. And I don't even want to go out here and let you know I don't want to deal with it. I'm going to send Jeff Sessions out. Right? And what, you know, I want to take it a step further. You know, I just, I just want to keep it on. I'm not throwing no shade. But I'm like, you know, it, it amazes me how this man is just going after immigrants. Like, it's nothing. But his wife is an immigrant. Like, Monica? let's... <laughs> Are you sure? Monica is his daughter. <laughs> you need to stop, bruh. <laughs> Get it together. I'm talking about the woman he's with now. Melania. Do she can't write speeches. And we could see why. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> like, look who she with. But, um... Let's bring it back, though. Mr. Many Sides. How is it that you going to go after immigrants and your wife is an immigrant? And she didn't even come here legally. Like, let's look at the receipts. So, like, what are you doing? Like, wh- what's going on? And even some of the workers within his, like, industry of business, they're immigrants. So, it's like, his clothes and stuff get made in other countries. So, like... I just want to know at what at what point is he gonna realize this contradiction, bro? Because I've been peeped it from the jump. Trump is like impenetrable when it comes to contradictions. He could literally say it's raining and then nope, it's sunny, and he'll back it up till the end of time. But yeah, it, it sucks. Do you have anyone like do you know personally that are dreamers? I don't know anyone personally who are dreamers and who are directly affected by it. But at the same time. I don't think that the people, not all participants, are going to even talk about being dreamers. Because, like, look how they're being treated and being shunned. So, I may know someone <laughs> that they probably haven't told me. You know what I'm saying? Um, not eight, not all of 800,000 people will come out to, to talk about this. So, yeah. I can't say explicitly that I know someone, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's someone that I know that's affected. But... I'm affected by it personally because I am Jamaican. As I say, I'm Jamaican. I was born here, but first generation born here in my family. Um, members of my family are immigrants. And it's disheartening for me. Any conversation around immigration is just it's very disheartening for me because I have firsthand experiences of those things. And even though I'm an American citizen in my mind and, you know, it's still like, yeah, I was born here, but... Being the first generation born here, you kind of, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. You just have a different perspective of how the world works. And like, you see the binaries between being um, a citizen and a non-citizen from your own personal experiences. You know, like no book could give you a definition. You know what I'm saying? Like the news can't tell you, you kind of feel it. And, you know, yes, I have the privilege of being born here, but like I said, um, to come from that personal experience of dealing with people that I know that are immigrants and how they're treated, it gets me really upset, especially in conversations about jobs and, you know, um, it's, I dislike it because I don't understand where we, we have this mindset that people like that are lower than us and they are not deserving of their rights. And the fact that there's this, this talk about them coming in this country and destroying the country. And this country was built off of diversity. It was built off of immigrants back. And the fact that we are treating people like that the way we are, it just, it gets to me on an emotional level because it's personal. And I always say the personal is political. So um, 
that's my take to your question. Sorry, I kind of went off there. No, I'm glad. Speak on it. Because I'm first generation as well, but... Generation what? Oh, Haitian. Oh, you're one of those. Jamaicans are better, but go ahead. Just go ahead. (laughs) There was a a video on YouTube. It was Jamaican food versus Haitian food. (laughs) Who won? Jamaicans. It was mad funny because at the end... The Jamaicans went to the Haitian spot. All right. And then the Haitians went to the Jamaican spot. To get food. <laughs> All right, I'll come back with that. Like, Bring it back. Mm, I feel like I'm going to throw that video on the show notes. All right. <laughs> um, Yeah, but it seems like President Trump really just wants to destroy Obama's legacy. It's like, even if it means potentially deporting 800,000 workers from the U.S. economy, US economy and then just thinking about it from the perspective of just families just being ripped ripped apart. And like, you being first generation, what was that like for you? Do you do you understand what I'm saying and what I was talking about on a personal level and how some people may can't relate? Do you feel that way too, being first generation? Honestly, I could like empathize and, and see where you're coming from, but for me, for the most part, my parents and just the people who I was around there was never a fear of any deportation. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I really can't relate to it on a personal level, but. But I, I wasn't speaking specifically about deportation or having fear. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what I was talking about. It was just the, the fact that how immigrants are treated coming to this country and matter of taking jobs and being envisioned as criminals and kind of having that misconception um, and dealing with that on a personal level was like, that's not, who they are like and it's like the negative representation and also being an American and I feel like the way we look at I feel like the context of how we look at immigrants is just like they're other than different but being from that personal experience it's like but they're not you see what I'm saying yeah um I guess I really don't <laughs> okay but I feel like being a black man I feel those same things okay. so I can really relate to it because Like I said, black men can be shown as criminals or thugs. And there's always, I feel like, more of a negative uh, stigma related to being a black male. And I feel that. So I feel like I can relate to what what people facing stereotypes based because they're immigrants. Yeah. And neither are nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot for you to say. But do you think they're selling jobs? No. Do you think when your parents came to this country, they were stealing other people's jobs? No. <laughs> Why are you saying, looking at me like I'm stupid, like people are not out here saying that? No. Because it sounds dumb, right? I just feel like people just find every excuse or reason to just like take the blame off for themselves. If something's not working, they want to find a scapegoat. Yeah. They want to find a group of people or a reason why this is always happening. And that's just human nature. I think if people were more focused on focus on them and trying to get what they need to get done done they wouldn't be worrying about oh these immigrants are taking our jobs like like you said america was built on the backs of immigrants like everyone who came here is an immigrant because we weren't the first inhabitants of of the country like so i think it's silly it's dumb and it sounds ridiculous i mean i you definitely make a valid point on it but 
it's just a conversation and the rhetoric that's being used around them and I just think it's really sad and it's disgusting and well well, I just wanted to say something that I found really interesting is the way this like rhetoric and what's going on right now I felt like I noticed that when I went to Australia there was a lot of I guess just like I was hearing about ill will towards people of Asian descent living on the island and they were talking about they're taking a lot of our jobs um okay. yeah and I, that was like really shocking to me because I'm like I only thought these were just things like normal to the US but then it kind of really got me out and realized like this stuff is going around like all over the world yeah like we're just like present to our realities mm-hmm. and maybe in some parts of the u.s because i feel like living in new york where it's like a bubble it's not a real representation of the entire country as a whole there may be people who may be feeling something like the people who are coming who aren't born in the country might be taking their jobs and there's more of that anger towards it so i think the fact that I'm not actually in that environment where mm-hmm. that really seems like the reality. I don't know where I was going. I, I, lo- <laughs> I lost my train of thought. But, but you, you get what I'm saying, though, right? <laughs> Yo. Yeah, I got it. I, I, I know what you're saying. Like, to go into other countries and to kind of see their realities and how they're very similar to ours... It's very, it's very scary in yeah. a sense, um, because it goes to show that, like I said, I've said it before, the personal is political. You know, that means that it's not only pertains to you, um, but it pertains to other people. Like our previous episode when we talked about you are not alone and dealing with acts of depressions and suicide. Like you would never think that looking at someone who may perceive themselves as being strong or X Y Z, and the fact that they have the conversations and you realize there's other people that feel the same way. And it's just like, oh, wow, like, it's like a community. So it's like, it's not foreign to you, just like it's not foreign to me. And by bringing it back to what you were saying, going to another country and seeing the similarities, it's scary, but it's reality. And then it also makes you think, like, when did it become that? How did we, because we wasn't always there, where it was like, you're coming in, you're taking, and stuff like that. Like, when did we become that? And I think for Americans, I just think it's, it's odd. Um... When people make that kind of conversations and it's just about, oh, yeah, so-and-so don't belong in this country. But, like, do you belong here? <laughs> like, let's question, you know? Let's let's look at that. Let's do a little research. So, I do understand what you're saying. And it's very valid, you know? And I think it's a conversation that needs to be had more and more because it makes you question, well, if so-and-so was more qualified than you and got the job. It's never about the credentials, though. It's never about who went. It's like, oh, you stole. Just like affirmative action. Yeah. When you think about it. It's like, oh, people, color, y'all coming in, y'all taking it. But when you look at it, it's just like, but boo, I got better grades than you. I, I passed. Where, where you at with it? Like, so technically, it, it has nothing to do with me being less qualified than you because I could actually be more qualified. It's just that this this institution may just take a certain percentage of people of color. And now they have to expand that number and take in a larger pool. So unfortunately, <laughs> you know, certain groups are going to feel a certain type of way. So, but I do understand what you're saying, and it's it's a valid argument. So, yeah. Whew. So, moving on. June 1st to November 30th is known as hurricane season, 
which occurs in the North Atlantic Ocean. And this year we've seen a uptick in the size and the frequency of the hurricanes. It's like... Hmm. it's Uptick is an understatement, bruh. Yeah, it's actually like pretty scary just seeing all these different storms and natural disasters just happening. And I feel like they're just getting bigger and bigger. Like, I thought I was safe in New York until Hurricane Sandy hit. Yeah. And my place, like, I lived in the basement of my house, and it was completely flooded. I lost all my stuff. I was, like, traumatized by it. I remember one day... Wait, what do you... Well, if it's the basement, I'm just... Just kind of put more context on it. If it's mm-hmm. the basement, you said you lost all your stuff. What do you mean, like, you were sleeping in the basement? Yes. My apartment oh, was room. in the basement, Oh, yeah. oh so, wow, you lost all your stuff. Everything. Like, it was crazy. Like, the water, it was like a scene out of a scary movie. Were you sleeping or something? No, we were trying to, like, unclog the tub because, like, black water was coming out oh of it. God. And I'm just, like, shoveling water out the back door. And then out of nowhere, literally water starts rushing in from the ceilings and just breaks through the windows. And I'm just like, are you kidding me right now? And I'm just... serious? Yeah, it was... It was That's a pretty crazy, scary night. Bruh. Yeah. And so losing all of my clothes, losing all my belongings, I was pissed off. Like, and I'm like, I thought I was safe in New York City. Now I'm like, I need to move to the middle of the United States. I, I don't okay. I don't want to deal with hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, forest fires. I live in the Bronx. We were not affected at all. I had power. We had it was like a regular day. And it was like to hear parts of the city was just like, it was like disheveled. It was like, what the hell? It was weird because it was like, but we good, but everyone else is not good. And it wasn't like, you know, when we have snowstorms, it's like certain areas are really bad. It wasn't like that. It was like, this is like past. It supersedes that. Like people, homes are damaged. It's affected. Like stuff like that. So to see what's happening now, um, back to back, it's really, really, it's scary and you see how some of these homes are not really, they're not strong enough to withstand that kind of like pressure. And it's crumbling. And imagine people living in slums and stuff who barely got something and they was able to put their little tent together. And it's like, all of that's gone. It's really sad. Yeah. To be honest, well, we've already seen three massive hurricanes with Harvey, Irma, Jose. Yo, these names, though. <laughs> I'm waiting for Shaniqua, boy. <laughs> like, it's no, like, no, no, what no, is no, going please, on? No, no, I, If it's Shaniqua, it's over. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, what is going on with these names? <sighs> but, like, just hearing you talk about the damage that's being done, literally, I just got really sad. Yeah, you and can realized, see that over your face. Yeah, I got kind of depressed because I really just got brought back to it and just... Being in that place where you literally lost everything, you're just looking around like, one, like, at least for me personally, it was just like, I don't even want to start over. Like, I I'm, I was just... Well, what do you mean ruined. you didn't want to start over? Well, more so like, this is where I lived and slept. All my friends like had their clothes because no one had lived in the basement like me. Like, I had nothing. Like... Damn, bro. Yeah. I was big into fashion then. <laughs> I be, After that... 
I definitely was just like, I don't even want to buy clothes. I don't even know if I'll have these ever again. But to <laughs> kind of flip it on its head, and maybe it's easier for me to speak on it because I didn't go through that. Mm-hmm. So might be my perception on the conversation or questions that I may ask is going to be a little like, oh, you know, maybe come from a place of ignorance, but more so to be positive because I like to see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. At least that's how I like to view things. You said since then you haven't been into fashion, so you think that has made you less materialistic? Um, or more? I think less, definitely, because I just lost everything, and it was like I had to get over it. Like, I would see people with, like, a piece of clothing that I had, and I'm like, I definitely had that shirt. And I but, So he was bitter. Like, yeah. it wasn't like he was, you was just bitter. I, I definitely was bitter, and then okay. when I got out of it, I, I kind of just said like hey honestly like they say you can't take it when you go so i kind of kind of developed more of that mentality around did it humble you in some aspects a hundred percent and to be honest just going through that humbling experience it, it, it was kind of hard for me to actually follow the coverage of what was going on with harvey and these storms because one i really didn't want to see it because I just feel like I connect with people and I, I can feel and just get where people are coming from. And the fact that I already went through it and how how much it affected me and I didn't lose my entire house. And that's what I wanted to get at. Yeah. Because granted, it was the basement, it was your apartment. So you did lose everything, but you really didn't. Right, right. So my thing is being that the house was still withstanding and your family was okay, you, they survived it. And you as well, there was no injuries. Walking away from that situation, do you view that as being minimal in comparison to the other things you could have lost along the way? And that played a part in humbling you? It's like three questions in one, but just go with me. Yeah, I was going to say, you just lost me. me. I'm just going to like... Just go with me. (laughs) Um, I definitely think it's not as bad as what some people are, are dealing with because... People are losing their entire homes. Like, some people have built their homes from the ground up, and you're just losing everything. People have died, and people, like, families are getting split apart. This is is on a much larger scale than what I suffered. And another thing, too, sorry to cut you off, but but, um, this administration has been turning a blind eye to science and hard facts by denying the existence of global warming. Do you believe in global warming, and do you have any fear around it? Uh, definitely. I'm a big science guy. Really? And yeah, I love science. I always, I don't know. I don't know when that started. But let me not get on a tangent. Um, I think the numbers are there. I feel like everyone's seen Inconvenient Truth. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> bruh. Apparently there's a second one out. I have to check that one out. But, um, yeah. And then just going through, just living life, I feel like... It has been getting hot, hotter. I feel like the storms have been gradually just getting bigger and bigger. Why? Because we had a lot of rain this summer? No. Just like the storms and the hurricanes, earthquakes. Like, There's just been natural disasters and that are just doing more damage than they've ever done. Okay. I'm definitely fearful of it. And if the entire world, except for the United States, is a part of the Paris Agreement... And the entire world is focusing on fixing this problem because it's evident the issues that it's causing. Like, 
I feel like that in itself should just be enough to say, okay, maybe we should pay attention to this. Everyone in the world is over there in their own <laughs> corner trying to figure this shit out. But we're just like, nope, it's not true. Like, come on. It, it literally blows my mind. Well, you think it's going to be like taking care of or even like a dress during this guy's presidency? Um, to be honest, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm pissed off about it because I feel like humans can literally do whatever we put our minds to. Like, mm-hmm. we've come such a long way and we've created so much. Like, look how much technology is growing. If we made this a focus on something that we need to solve, we could get this done. And, yeah, it, it just pisses me off. I feel like it's just greed and just other people's priorities other than the good of like the future generations and it's actually affecting us now today so it's very frustrating yeah no it is it really is and um i mean whether it's done during his presidency or the next person in line i hope that it is addressed because as you mentioned all of these natural disasters happening at the same time i don't think it's a coincidence and i definitely think there's something that we can do um, to kind of make things better moving forward. And also those countries that are affected by it, you know, definitely helping and doing more help efforts. And I think that's important. I, what I did like is that it seems as if a lot of organizations are coming around and they're tackling um, different strategies of how to go out there and help. And I think that's very important. Um, and just to kind of speak more specifically about that, do you... Um, any organizations you could think of in mind that's been very popular now since all of this has been going on? I actually came across a pretty good article in the New York Times that listed different local, credible foundations that you could work with to give back for the hurricane relief and also national organizations. So Sweet. We could definitely post that on the Facebook page. Yes. So you guys could check that out if you want to make some donations and support and help help these people that are going through a really tough time and yeah it's all about just giving back and helping out so yeah it's very true and as i mentioned earlier in the show that i um volunteer with new york cares so check them out as well they have some um fun projects that they're doing around hurricane relief so definitely look into it it's a really great organization and it's wonderful people um so now towards the end of our show we're going to discuss this whole phenomena around black boy joy as we mentioned in our previous episode, Pierre is going to drop his gems pertaining to wellness and self-care. And in this episode, we're going to speak specifically about Black Boy Joy and how it's kind of evolving. It came about, interestingly enough, around the time of Chance the Rapper. He kind of put that imagery out there and Black men smiling more, being more happy and everything of that sort. And... I feel like it's becoming a thing. It's like, it's kind of like a conversation piece, like a theme, Black Boy Joy. And I love it because it, I think you kind of touched on this early in the show, but like, it really speaks to like the different layers of a black man and the fact that that's a part of black men that the media may not show as much. And, you know, it's, it's a kind of misconception about black men. And I like it. I like to see how this theme phenomenon is going to be transferring over time and how it's evolving. So speak to it, Pierre. Drop some gems on them, honey. Damn. 
that was like a great introduction. Like, <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you, thank you. But honestly, you just gave me like, you gave me mad, I guess, joy. Because <laughs> I didn't know Chance the Rapper is the one who kind of like got that going. And I really like him as an artist. I think he's awesome. And that's one of the things I like about him. His positivity, his energy. It's just like you get a good vibe and like feeling from him. I'm like, if I was in the entertainment industry, I'd want to chill with Chance. He's cool. You should probably get Chance on the show one day. Goals. Facts. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love it too. Because, like we talked about in previous episode, just being a black man um, in the world, there's that perception of thug or just violent, like, like a thief. Just like those negative images that you can see in the media and just the way we're described in articles and whatnot. I could go on forever, but yeah. Just hearing that hashtag black boy joy, it's like, it makes me feel good and just like have a positive vibe because you don't, even if you know something isn't true, like you're seeing it in the media going over and over, it definitely, it can definitely settle into you and affect you. And I think... Just seeing like these different hashtags when I see them online, it d- makes me feel good, makes me get a positive image of black men in general because I've said it before, I could be walking down the block and I see a group of black men versus a group of white men. I could honestly say that I would have a little bit more apprehension towards the group of black men. And I know you've said that you've had a different experience from that, but this, it just makes me feel like, feel connected feels awesome like just these images and so what can you you know on your whole coach pierre tip Mm -hmm. what um suggestions do you put out there for black men to kind of like enforce that joy and have it at a consistent rate you know what parts what parts can they play and what can they do in terms of maybe self-care or some what adds to your joy Mm. for me I love laughing. Like when you're laughing, you're you taking deep breaths, you feel good and it just you just feel great when you laugh and you smile. Like if you smile at someone, they're automatically gonna smile back. Even if yeah. they don't want to, like you just get that urge, it's contagious. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing that, you're just getting those good positive energy into your body and mm-hmm. it definitely makes a difference. So I actually I try to laugh like if something's funny I try to just let it out I don't want to hold it back I just laugh and it makes me feel good it gives me a good feeling and I try to smile a lot and just interact with people because I can be pissed off going to work or having a bad day when you put that frown and you're just angry not being social not talking yeah, it definitely will add on to that negative feeling that you're having but when you're smiling even if you're having a shitty day and you're laughing with your friends like all that stuff could go away and definitely it makes a difference so in terms of just good energy like feeling positive and that people are attracted to that people want to be around that so it's definitely it's definitely good especially well never mind i was gonna get into the ladies but (laughs) really like really (laughs) every chance you get (laughs) i was a really shy kid growing up seriously and just not I'd, I'd smile so much when I was around girls that my cheeks would hurt because I wouldn't talk. I'd just sit there and smile. Like, okay. <laughs> so 
I any chance I can when it, helping guys just learning how to interact because I, like again I came from that place and yeah. just being quiet around the opposite sex I try to help out any way I can so and aside from smiling how can they balance their frustrations or what they're going through like what kind of things would you like say that they can do to kind of alleviate all of that to be honest I think meditation is amazing yeah. for that um, meditation it definitely just keeps you centered because we all go through emotions good bad some we want to feel some we don't but when you're meditating and you're doing it on a consistent basis it really helps train your mind to just be relaxed and not get overwhelmed and stressed by things that will come and go like it's always going to be there in your life there's always going to be problems there's always going to be issues there's always going to be happy times like all these th- emotions and feelings they're coming and going and being able to just deal with the ones that you don't necessarily want to deal with in a more productive way for your overall well-being is awesome because stress kills you and that's why I try to go about my day just with positive energy and just just like mitigating my stress to be as low as possible because I've come from a place of having a lot of anxiety around work and just seeing how it physically affected me so yeah definitely check it out before we end off like in terms of meditation which i think it's a very valid point what apps would you suggest that they should use and also like how frequently should they meditate especially if they're starting out so there's an app that i love it's called headspace and we can definitely put that on the facebook page and the show notes as well it's a 10 minute guided meditation and it's amazing it's the first first app that i use to get get into meditation mm-hmm. and it's only 10 minutes and is it free it's free okay that's that's the important the, part it's, it's a, <laughs> and it's a 10 day trial okay so you can use it for 10 consecutive days and everyone has to speak from experience yeah i think if someone tried that and put it to work for those 10 days you'd be surprised how quickly your mood and just the way you go about and see your day can just change from just doing it consistently on for 10 days okay and then after the 10 days after the 10 days i was cheap i just did it over again (laughs) (laughs) and it and it's just just as effective yeah so definitely suggest that app so i think that's it for today's show yes definitely is Once again, thank you for tuning in. Follow us for our latest updates on Instagram at underscore unapologetically underscore different. You can reach us on Twitter at unapologetic two underscores D. And you can find us on Facebook by searching unapologetically different. All our episodes are posted on iTunes and SoundCloud. So definitely go check those out. Hit that like like and subscribe button and stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.